Hello, everybody. Welcome to this latest episode of Nonprofit Notes with Zuri Group. I am Ellen Rohr Pappas, and today I have the distinct honor to be talking with Kate Nimity, who is our Senior Vice President um, and has been working with organizations on a variety of projects for many years, and she has a background in change management. So I wanted to ask her a few questions about her experience with change management, just so she could share some wisdom with us about what she knows, what she's learned, what she's experienced. So welcome, Hi, everybody. Kate. Thank you. It's great to be here again. All right. So Kate, I wanted to ask you first off, I know that when I've talked with colleagues and, and, uh, and people that are facing projects and they're talking about change management, Sometimes the conversation gets sort of reduced down to uh, overcoming resistance. And so what that can sometimes mean is that I have folks saying, well, hey, you know what? Our team is really excited about this new, let's say, software implementation. Therefore, we don't need any change management. Tell me a little bit about why it's not just overcoming resistance. And what are the implications when everybody's actually feeling pretty good about it when we're getting started? Sure. Um, it, it's a really common occurrence to have folks say, wow, this is the most exciting thing. Nobody likes the current system or nobody likes the current way we're doing it. So everybody is really excited about this change. We really don't need a lot of extra hands sort of managing communication or managing how people think and feel about it. And that initially is, is often the way that projects begin but it's only half the story. So uh, what we're seeing is an overwhelming excitement right at the start, which tends to shadow anyone who might be feeling a little bit of nerves about the potential change. This is organizational. This, this could be uh, you know, even a, an office move, operational change, um, any kind of change. You may have folks who are a little bit quieter about it, who are a little hesitant. You also may see that um, in, in a overly positive area, you may find that people say, we don't have any resistance. Nobody is resisting. And sometimes that silence is the resistance. So what we're trying to do with change management is, is reframe what resistance looks like and understand that it can come and go as the transition happens. We also have to manage overly excited people. So there's two sides of the change curve. Um, one is that resistance that we're talking about. The other is folks who are so excited that they build a set of expectations that are unrealistic for the new system or the new way of doing things. And they get out in front of the process of going through the transition itself. So if we're implementing a software system, for example, we may have folks who are so excited, they get themselves all into a sandbox environment and playing around with things. And they set expectations for other people about all of the wonderful things that the new system can do. It can print money, it can make coffee. And I've seen it and it's happened. And then as a project team, we're faced with having to, to reel that back in a little bit. So we have folks who are reluctant to change. And then we also have folks who have unrealistic expectations on the other side. And 
managing the expectations on both sides of the change curve is the, the real reason for change management. It's a way to make sure that transparency and communication are frequent and expected, that that transparency and communication is trusted, that the users know what to expect, and that we have the ability to, to bring folks who are reluctant along for the ride and also reel back in the folks who are really excited and leverage their excitement for things like being change champions and, and helping us really understand how, how to bring those other folks along. That's really interesting. I never thought about the fact that a group that is very enthusiastic about, say, shedding an older system, that's a fairly common scenario, right? Where they'd say, well, we kind of universally don't like an old system that that excitement might overshadow somebody quietly wondering about what about my job <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or yes, the software is going to be better, but what does this mean for my job or other things they might be not speaking up about? So that's a really, that's a really good point. And so what do you do to make sure that you've, you've got at the beginning or somewhere along the lines, a a good read on where people are or what their temperature is? Uh, Taking the temperature is actually one of the most difficult change management planning processes. We call it a stakeholder analysis. And it's it's as simple as a spreadsheet and as difficult as role-playing and and fact-finding and wondering out loud about each stakeholder and what they're thinking. The idea is to sort of get yourself in the shoes of the individual stakeholder, figure out where they're coming from, what their priorities are, what their worries are about things like security or their job, and, and then what is the underlying question that they're bound to ask at some point during the project so that when we communicate with them in the elevator, on the stairs, over a Zoom, or in an email, we are pre-answering that question or we're answering it through the lens of the person who would ask that question. And when we do that, we're able to identify little pockets of potential resistance. Um, folks who are, have been around at the organization for a really long time and have their processes set, they come in, they don't really have to think about the keystrokes that they're, that they're doing in the system, and then they go home. Um, and we can also find the pockets of excitability, right, that we just discussed, where we're finding people who could potentially be leveraged as something like a change champion, someone who can, who can run around the halls and, and talk about the system or the implementation with more knowledge um, and clear knowledge in a way to bring other folks along. But you can't do that unless you have a chance to do this stakeholder analysis, which, um, which it takes a lot of time and it takes some creativity to assume you know what somebody is thinking or what they might need. And uh, I have found that organizations who do that exercise and really think it through have a much easier and smoother way of communicating with the different types of people and the different levels of people uh, throughout their organization during the change itself. Well, that's, that's really interesting. Okay, so the stakeholder analysis is key to getting the picture of the landscape of what the different folks may be thinking about or worried about or that we should deal with 
And the way that you go about that stakeholder analysis is not just sending an email with a survey in it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Sounds like you have much better methodology. <laughs> right. It definitely takes a lot longer than sending an email with a survey, but uh, it allows the project team to really, truly understand who they are working with. It's a totally different perspective so that when we're all in the room together and we have a stakeholder in front of us and they are, they're starting to show some of that resistance, reluctance, frustration, or confusion, we know where it's coming from. We all know where it's coming from because we did that exercise. Oh, that's okay. So, well, so you bring me to another question that I had, which is I've, I've heard people talk about project management really needs to be fully incorporated into a project and not just spray on, if you'll forgive the, um, the choice of words, but, you know, not just a surface attempt at something, but really deeply incorporated. And so you've just described a really in-depth stakeholder analysis. So doing that seems to be one way that we can see that it's fully embedded, truly living change management. But what are some things that you see when a project's happening? Like, okay, this is this is good quality change management or it's deeply embedded throughout the project in a way that's going to be effective? Change management starts almost before the project even begins. It's a way of starting with awareness and making sure that everybody understands that we're about to do this thing. Uh, And it goes all the way through the project itself and follows the, the project after through adoption. So if, and that's going to be, whether it's organizational or um, environmental or a system change, it's any change needs this level of integration. That follow allows the change management effort, the communication, the outreach, and the preparation for the users or the people involved to follow the ebb and flow of the project itself, soup to nuts. Starting at the beginning, we need to ensure that everyone has awareness, as I said. That awareness allows people to sort of look around, see what they have today, make sense of what they have today, and then begin, believe it or not, the grieving process of letting that go. And some people who are really excited about a change still need to let go of what they have today. Grieving process. Tell me more. Tell me about a grieving process for your CRM or your processes (laughs) at work? Well, it's not about sadness and it's not about love. It's, it's really about um, a level of comfort. It's about your bubble and realizing that even if you hate your job, or even if you are frustrated with the existing system and it's not suiting your needs, it's still what you know, and you're about to venture into what you don't know. And that is scary. So you have to let go of what you know even if it doesn't suit your needs. And that letting go is considered grieving. Very interesting. Okay, okay. Yep. So the awareness step there that starts at the beginning of the project actually allows people to start the grieving. And the grieving doesn't happen in one day. Okay, we're, we're done. Let's have a kickoff. Let's all grieve together. And now we're right. done. It doesn't work we like have that. To, right. <laughs> We have to let go of what today is in order to begin the transition to what tomorrow is going to be. 
So the transition is the next piece and that's the, the longest part of it and grieving and transition sort of go hand in hand, ebb and flow throughout the project where transition is most obviously um, illustrated by a training or by sitting with users and having a, a um, demo or gathering people together in a town hall to let them ask questions. But the transition itself is conversations in the hallway and coffee talks and water cooler and uh, newsletters and a, a way of sort of slowly introducing the new concepts that are coming your way and the new way of working and the new way of understanding your organization slowly over time as the project progresses. And of course it ramps up. So as you let go of what was and you move through your transition, you get closer and closer and closer to the change itself. And the change itself is your adoption. We need people to be ready to adopt a new thing and they can't adopt a new thing until they've let go of the old. So we get them closer and closer to adoption. Once they're in that adoption phase, usually in a software implementation, it's going to be a go live or near around go live. We're all focused on the same goal. We are all rowing in the same direction and we hit that go live. And then it's about support until people have their feet under them, because you can't say it's go live, everybody change and move on. <laughs> you have to give them a grace period where they're getting their feet under them. They're getting stable in the new way. And they're starting to learn that new bubble of comfort so that they can adopt this long-term and keep it going. So change management can't be sprayed on at training time. It can't be, it, it can't just be a newsletter that pops into people's inboxes once a month and that's the end of it. It has to be fully integrated into the framework of the culture of the organization. And it has to be something that follows along the timeline of the entire project. Very good. Well, that's interesting that your rowing metaphor, because I was, I was explaining change management as best as I could to my 20-something daughter who's just getting into technology implementations as a young professional. And I was describing that project management is about making sure that if you're building a boat, that it's built to the specifications and that you have oars of the right lengths and that they're all set up properly. And it is even about training people how to row together. And change management is about making sure that they're not hitting each other with the oars, that they're actually <laughs> rowing and rowing in the right direction. So anyway, but right. I just had this image of, you know, everybody in the boat kind of whacking each other with the oars because they're frustrated or they don't know what's, anyway. So change management is a lot of things, but um, that, was, that was how I described it for writer for ill to my daughter. So I love that. Let's continue that metaphor and okay. talk about the one person out in front rowing really, really fast. Really They're right so excited. <laughs> and you're just going in circles at that. You're going point. in circles. So have, oh, yes. yeah. You have people in the back hitting each other. You have a person out front <laughs> rowing really fast. And a change management also uh, provides a reminder of the directionality, a reminder of the vision. Guys, over there. We we're need to trying go that to way. head across the lake. Exactly. We're, right. trying to, we're trying to make the boat move and row. Um, so that does bring me to another question I had, which is, 
you know, if I, if I have a team of 15 people, there's things that I might do to make sure that that change management works well in a big change, um, let's say a new system. But then sometimes we do our projects and they have 200 plus users. So I wanted to ask you, what do you see as differences between some of the things and how it works? Or perhaps it's the same for a small team, big team, when you're looking at this kind of change management. That's a great question. It's actually partially the same and partially different. Obviously, numbers, it's going to make it different. But in terms of the amount of communication, the level of transparency, and the frequency of that communication, it's the same. Whether you have 200 people, 500 people, or four people, you still have to communicate to them. You still have to be open and honest about the progress of things and what is actually changing for them and what the impacts are for them. But when it comes to the way you communicate or the things that you say, it's much more complicated when you have 200 stakeholders. Back to that stakeholder analysis, if you have 15 folks on your team, you can list each person individually, get in their shoes, think about what their, what's in it for me or what the impact might be on that one person, really understand them. If you have 200 people or more, you can't get in every single person's shoes. So you develop sort of the, the concept of a persona, this type of person or this, this type of worker or this type of this particular department may feel a certain way or experience a certain impact. And so the, the stakeholder analysis piece is really more about the type of person, not the individual necessarily, unless it's leadership. We also need to make sure that communications are on multiple different levels or multiple channels when you have a larger team. If you have a team of 15, you can have a stand-up meeting and speak in person. You can send emails around and know that everyone's going to read them. But when you have a larger team, you can't guarantee that. So we, we like to do a multi-channel approach where we're looking not just at an email newsletter that goes regularly, but also a website for the project itself that provides insight and updates. We offer town hall meetings for all staff. We offer um, time with each staff meeting for each department. And then we offer smaller groups too. Coffee talks, as I said, brown bag lunches for learning, and even user groups that, that all, are already meeting. So um, things like the data management team or, um, or a governance board or, or a cross-departmental team, we will ask to join those meetings and have some one-on-one -on -one time with them. And the goal here is to give people a choice of what space feels safest to ask questions and to inquire about what this change really means for them without appearing confused or out of the loop or anything like that. So the safety of that is, um, is a little harder to discern and requires a little more effort in terms of multi-channel outreach. Uh, we also have the, the ability to do one-on-one -on -one discussions or one-on-one -on -one opportunities for, for updates with folks who are particularly resistant or sensitive or highly impacted by a particular change. So uh, like a team of 15, a team of 200 will still require some of that one-on-one -on -one time, um, even, even though the team is so much bigger. Well, that's, that's interesting. So what you're saying about 
in the if you if I envision a team of smaller team 15 people where the communication is likely to hand happen in a stand-up or we're all in a staff meeting together and we talk a little bit about something where there might actually be a little more safety in the larger project where there's multiple channels of communication and interaction. So I could choose to air my questions maybe through some different types of formats that are available to me if I'm part of a really big team or a bigger project. But I hadn't really thought in terms of the safety element of asking questions or letting people know I'm nervous about a change coming. And that's that's an interesting point that you bring up. I mean, what do we what do we do to make people feel safe? That's a gosh, that's really complex. It's different at every organization. The culture is different at every organization and what safety feels like is going to be different as well. But we have people who are extroverted and feel really confident off the cuff. And we have people who are really introverted and who need to, uh, who need to digest what they just heard before reacting to it and won't won't then speak up right away. They need to think about it a little bit and have some follow-up. And knowing that we have a good mixture of that across the entire organization, any organization, you have the ability to offer something like a town hall where information is provided and then follow-up opportunities that are much more intimate to allow people enough time to digest what they just heard and react to it. Some folks will react right in the town hall meeting. Other folks will will much prefer having a follow-up. And uh, knowing what the makeup is of your own organization, again, that stakeholder analysis really helps, will give you a, a window into what kind of outreach and what kind of engagement you need to do throughout the project in order to ensure that people do feel like they have a, a mode to communicate with the project team. Worst thing ever is an isolated project team right in the middle of a huge project with no ability to contact those people and ask them real questions. All right. Well, so you bring up a good point about when you said safety can feel different at different organizations and each organization's culture is different. Tell me a little bit about that, because I've certainly over the many years I've worked with so many different clients have experienced different cultures at different clients. And there's some places where um, making an error is a very dangerous thing. And so people are very cautious about making errors um, or making decisions. Other places um, have kind of a more freewheeling way of doing things. But tell me about how culture impacts people adopting change and like what do you do with the change management approach to sort of adapt it to a culture? It's never a a standardized thing. Change management is always something that needs to be a part of the culture. It's part of the fabric of the culture. And there there are certain things that we that we recommend doing all of the time, communication strategies and such that we just laid out. But Uh, When it comes to the culture itself, the culture helps dictate what the change management plan and strategy should be. Cultures that have um, strong leadership involvement with a lot of um, delegation ownership of the decision-making process are going to be a lot different than organizations that really require that the leadership makes the decisions, but that the the, Stakeholders, subject matter experts actually recommend what to do. 
So what we do is we always set up a governance structure. That's our first way of understanding what that culture dynamic really is. And the governance structure will help us understand how decisions need to be escalated, what level of engagement this, the subject matter experts have in making those decisions or in having ownership over what those decisions should be, um, and how we can help to escalate decisions so that they are made in a really fluid and flexible way. Nine times out of 10, decision-making always follows along with what those recommendations are. So in a rigid environment that requires leadership approval of any decision having to do with a system, let's say, um, that we facilitate that with the project management and with the project artifacts so that we can very easily make some of those decisions. In a, in a more flexible arrangement, flexible culture where the subject matter experts are empowered to make those decisions themselves and take ownership of the, the business process that results out of those decisions, then what we do is we make sure that the project team informs all of the leadership so that they have awareness and can then support the decisions that their people have just made. That leadership is really critical. That support of the decision-making process is really critical regardless of what kind of culture your organization has. So whatever it is we do, we use the governance structure to help support the process. And when it comes to um, outreach, engagement in a culture one way or the other, the, the messaging is either clearly that leadership supports the decisions that are being made, and here are those decisions, or leadership has made these decisions, and this is why. Generally, the leadership defines the why, and, and the subject matter experts define the how and the what, um, but who signs off on those decisions is very, very different organization to organization. Well, that's interesting, Kate. I know the, the, I, the project governance is something that we always focus on when we look at just executing on a large project, but I didn't really think about how the particular governance elements would then interact with how change management gets developed and executed. So that is really fascinating to hear. Thank you. So that is our time today with our nonprofit notes. Thank you very much, Kate, for sharing your expertise. Anybody who wants to uh, learn a little bit more about all this wisdom that Kate and our team has developed around change management or just CRM implementations, do feel free to contact us at Zuri Group. We're always happy to try to share things that are helpful. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day. Thanks, Kate. Thank you so much. It was great to be here today.